You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To learn more about the Collective Church in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at thecollectivechurch.com. So in 1 Samuel 16, I have a very, very simple message this morning, um, but I felt like I was supposed to share something with you, and I was supposed to remind you of something. We talked a lot yesterday with Dr. Che on about, about reformation and revival and what that looks like, and um, he believes that we are headed for the third great awakening. Which, which a lot of prophetic voices and a lot of people that I really trust and respect believe the same thing, that the things that, that, that God is doing and the shaking that's happening worldwide is, is really preparing us and setting us up for a move of God that we've never seen before, that we've never seen before. And, that's, and it's really exciting because we get to be a part of it. We get to play a part of it. We don't know what it looks like. We just know that a lot of people are going to get saved, healed, and delivered. Amen. And that that people are going to be reignited with a passion of Jesus Christ. And um, that's really exciting. If you have lost loved ones, if you have friends who are lost, this should be very exciting to you. That that a revival is, is coming. It really begins, really begins in us. But I wanted to just tell you three things really quick. Um, and, and I saw a piece and part of this in the early 90s. Um, my dad came and took over a church in Juneau, Alaska in 1987, actually. December 1st, we arrived. There was a seven point something earthquake the first day we were there. We, we made an impact uh, right away. <laughs> The Rose family, um, we had actually just gotten off of a, a three, we had to take a boat there, and so we were so still swaying, so we just saw the chandelier swinging, and we didn't even feel feel the earthquake. But uh, my dad came into uh, an, really an old, uh, established the oldest Assembly of God church in, in, in Alaska, and it was, and it was old, and it was established. <laughs> And people were established in their ways, in their ways of thinking, and it was dead. It was deader than a doornail. And, you know, as a young pastor, he was, I think, I believe he was 29 years old, coming in, um, you know, being on the younger side. And I remember worship was dead, and I just remember that it was, it was just a lot of death, just dead. Just a dead environment. And and we, we had just come out of North Dakota, out of, he had... Um, Done basically a revitalization. The Lord had led him and my mom to revitalize a tiny little church with maybe four to six people, not forty-six, four to six. And um, you know, when our family showed up, we probably doubled the, the congregation. And I mean, they they built a new sanctuary. They, they did church planting before church planting was cool or a thing. It was just a logistical issue. Hey, there are people driving from so far away that we should go set up a church where they where they're at. We didn't call it church. We just were like, hey, we have another service in another town in another place in another building. We didn't know that was church planning. Um, we didn't know how cool we were before, before our time. 
I remember we met in a fire hall at one point. And I remember that because my mom walked into the bathroom and my brother was like two or three years old and he was licking the rim of the toilet seat in, in, the, in the men's bathroom in, the, in a firehouse. So that has nothing to do with the message. This is a memory I just, just came to me. Like why? So we had some deliverance and uh, so-so and... Uh, <laughs> So there was, there was a move of the Spirit, a move of God. There were healings, there were miracles, um, there were barren wombs being opened. Um, just amazing. So we come, you know, just the, the, I mean, someone was praying in June in a prayer meeting, um, a Samoan lady, she said, she said, the Lord says our next pastor will come from North Dakota. It's like, what good can come from North Dakota, right? Except for Candy and Casey Mitzel, or Casey. Casey's a fellow North Dakotan. And uh, so any, just a divine set of circumstances, we end up in Alaska, and we end up at this dead church. Humongous, humongous, you know, building property, um, Christian school. It was the tail that wagged the dog. Some of you know what I'm talking about with the, with the Christian school and the, ch- and the church dynamic. And, and um, I see a lot of pain faces right now, <laughs> people shaking their heads. Um, and I, I mean, I remember at one point, you know, my dad went in with strength and I remember one time I was, I was little and I was, I was by the front doors and I remember that I was, you know, I was by my dad's legs, you know, kids, we like to be our, by our, by our parents' legs. You know, there's something safe about, I'm with mom and dad. I remember a guy pinning him to the wall after church. This is really precious and basically saying, you know, someone who had a lot of influence and, and for years, probably control, probably more so like a Jezebel Ahab kind of a thing going on and pinned my dad to the wall. And I remember I was stuck in between probably, he probably didn't even see me. And he's like, if you don't start listening to me, we're going to stop giving. And I remember being like, and my dad saying, I mean, just with strength, then you can stop giving. So these are the, the, the memories that I have. You know, and I'm, and I'm a pastor. <laughs> no. Um, and just, and just um, you know, crazy board, you know, back in the day when you do the, the, the whole congregational, um, you know, meeting, the annual business meeting to vote on things. And, and um, just, I mean, how many have been part of a crazy annual business meeting before? Yeah, someone stood up one time and was like, Ben's only the on staff here because of nepotism. That was a cool, that was a fun one. Um, just ungodly things happening in the midst of, you know, and calling it church and calling it, calling it good. And in the early 90s, my dad took a, a major risk and he invited, there was, a, there was a move of the spirit that was starting to happen in, in Toronto and in, in South America. And there was revival starting to happen and there was manifestations of the spirit and there was all these things that were starting to happen. How many remember the early 90s in Toronto and then Brownsville broke out in 95 and Bogota, Colombia. And there was all these pockets Well, there was a man from um, South Africa and his name was Rodney Howard Brown. And Rodney Howard Brown came to our church in the early 90s. 
and it was wild. Our church went from con- this conservative, like dead, old, lame music, lame, and to to an absolute like revival hub, where we were having three services a day for weeks on end. People were flying in from all over to be a part. I remember one time, I had this memory when when Cheyenne was talking yesterday. Because he was talking about how the power of God was so tangible that when you touch people, there was just like an electricity that was happening. And I remember we had a, we have this gigantic hall. It was a classroom where all the classrooms were in our church. Very, very, very long hallway. And I remember at one point, there was so many people at the service, they had to line people up down the entire hallway for prayer. Down the entire hallway. You know, and then you look out there again, and like there's an entire hallway of bodies. It's just like what? Like if somebody didn't know what was going on, they would have walked in and said, "Like what is happening right now?" Like it was crazy. And, but there was there was a, you know, and and there were people coming in from from various parts, you know, of, of Alaska. There was, I mean, the 700 Club came in and, and filmed uh, filmed a show about it. And just what God was doing in Alaska, and it was it was it was miraculous. It was mighty. There were people coming in to prove it wrong, essentially to say this is this is not God, this is not God. Or they were coming in to check it out because they were incredibly skeptical. And four hours later, they were just able to pull themselves up off the floor. People, remember people there, people speaking out against it. I can't remember the whole story, but I mean, people like bringing it into the workplace, bringing it into places and, and God was just moving in an incredible way. Now, is that the only way that God can move? And is that what revival will look like in the future? I don't know, but we experienced something really, really special, really, really special. I mean, services going three, four hours, uh, coming out of class, letting kids out of, out of school, to come to afternoon sessions, you know, like it was amazing. Three meetings a day and, um, people giving, I remember there was one time someone was like, somebody said something and they're like, I'm buying them a car. I'll buy them a van. Just the generosity was just outrageous. People just, just giving God was asking of things and people were just giving the generosity was just, was, was out of this world. And, uh, but I, I want to share with you three things that we need to prepare ourselves for. Now, there was a prophetic word years later that said, stop looking back at the wave. And I think it was, you know, could be to the whole church at large, because a lot of people, there was a major refreshing in the early 90s. And there's a lot of people that were like, oh, if only we could go back. If only, you know, let's remember what God did. It was so good. It was so sweet. It was so, so much joy. It was so um, refreshing. And the word was, don't look back, but turn your head around because there's a tsunami wave coming and it's going to eclipse what we've ever seen before. Tell me, believe that. So, so I'm not saying, I'm not saying what it's going to look like, but I know that something, something's coming. And like the Bible says, the, the, the latter will be greater than the former. The latter will be greater than the former. But there are three things that I noticed in the life of David. And I think it's important to us as we're moving forward. Because 
time, the times are getting crazy right now. They're crazy. I, I mean, I was, just, I was just sent something that's happening right now in the P Portland public schools. I don't know if you, anyone saw the leaked, there's a leaked curriculum. Um, absolutely unbelievable. You couldn't even, like three, two or three years ago, if someone would have said this was, you said no way. There's no way. That's, this is a joke. This is, not, this is not real. Some of the sexuality and things that are being taught at that young of age. And, and, and stuff that is um, so demonically inspired. By the way, have you noticed since Roe v. Wade, have you noticed that the demonic agenda that was maybe subversive has become very, very, it's like on full display. Have you, have you all noticed that? That's like, that's like the enemy overplaying his hand right now. The demonic agenda is like on full display. There's like full, like you can see the demons. You can see, you can, you can almost hear their battle plan. Um, there's an account I follow that kind of tracks some of these things. And the amount of teachers right now that are saying, we are going to indoctrinate these kids. We don't care what the parents say. We don't care what, what our school system says. We will indoctrinate these kids. It's a full demonic agenda. So we're living in this day where, where it's crazy, where things are being uncovered, where things that were formerly veiled are now like being lived out in the open. Have you noticed? Are you with me? You're, we're seeing it. We're seeing it. You're like, no, I just stay home and watch Hallmark movies. I'm, I'm with you. That could be a new strategy. <laughs> Don't turn any devices on and watch Hallmark movies. But as we move forward, um, three things that I can guarantee, I can guarantee are going to happen. We're going to talk about them. We're going to look at the life of David. In, in verse First uh, Samuel 16, verse 5 says, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So, so, so Samuel, um, remember David, or excuse me, Saul destroyed the Amalekites, but, but he kept, um, he only destroyed what was worthless and of poor quality. And then he let King Agag live. And so, um, and that's, that's when the whole verse comes. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. So it was during this time where um, God said, I, I, I regret making Saul king. And he sent Samuel the prophet to anoint a new king. So Samuel is, comes to Jesse's fam family then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemiah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. 
In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? By the way, that was the instruction. Bring me all of your sons. Don't you think that Samuel should have brought all of his sons? Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. The Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So, so he anoints him. Um, next, we move over to um, Jesse sends David to Saul's camp. Now, they're, they're encamped. They're on either sides of a valley. The Philistines, you all know the story. But, but I would encourage you to read it again. Read it again. Because this is not just about us identifying with David and killing a giant and, you know, and casting crowns coming out with their new hit song about David killing a giant with slings and stones and five smooth stones. Like that's, that's, that's good, but, but there's, so much, there's so much deeper than that. It's so much deeper in this story. Um, one day, verse 17, one day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brother and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Um, Verse 22, David left all his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel's the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright, which I was thinking about this. He was doing this every day. So were they running away every day? What a silly scene, right? They were coming up, and they're like, okay, so now's the time. And Goliath would come out, and he would, he would curse God, and he would do his thing, and they would, ah, they would scream and run away. I'm like, oh, we'll do this again tomorrow. Like, it's kind of what it sounds like, which, and it, which is ridiculous. By the way, this, like, really ticked David off. There was something in him. By the way, it kind of reminds me of today. We can get really sucked in. To, to culture and what's happening. And we can almost become numb to it. We can almost become, well, you know, God, you know, love is love. And, you know, God, and, and, and we're watching, we're watching Christian leaders and we're watching Christian authors and we're watching all these people that are starting to go, well, you know, I don't think it's really that. I think really, it's like getting used to the taunt. It's like getting used to the taunt of the enemy. And David walked in with a fresh set of eyes and goes, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. As soon as the Israelite army saw, okay, so have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. And the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. And somebody said, amen. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> so much I want to say about taxes right now. <laughs> I have 87,000 reasons to talk about taxes. Okay, David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Something was like awake inside of David. While everyone else was falling asleep, while everyone else was like kind of giving in, seemingly, David's like, wait, this is not right. He's, he's defying the armies of the living God. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep? That's a dig, by the way. That's a dig. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? And he says this, I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. David says, what have I done now? Meaning this was probably a normal occurrence. What have I done now? David replied, I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and sent to him. By the way, faith and persistence, faith and persistence, David persisted. He just kept asking and asking in faith. And all of a sudden he's standing before King Saul. Side note. Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous. Saul replied, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Come on, somebody. That's amazing. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. Whew. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Man, if that don't get your juices flowing, I don't know what does. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a string, stream and put them in his. Everyone, underline his in your Bible. His. His shepherd's bag. His calling. His anointing. His grace, his lane, his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only his shepherd's staff, his shepherd's staff, his lane, his assignment, his anointing, his grace. 
can't find my place. Then armed with only a shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bare ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and will kill you and cut off your head. That was a prophetic word right there, friends. Cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Pause. The whole world is still hearing about that there's a God in Israel through this story. It's called, that's called a prophetic word. David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was prophesying that, that actually today we just fulfilled prophecy by reading that scripture, FYI. Because it's being told all over the world. And everyone assembled here will know that God rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. By the way, we sang that song. This is the second or third song we sang. You come back with the head of my enemy, and you call it my victory. Isn't that good? And then, obviously, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and they ran. And they were defeated. Somebody said amen. amen. So, Pastor Ben, why did you just read us a Bible story? So I want, I want to look at three things really quick. And then we're going we're, we're to dismiss. Number one, you will be misjudged. <laughs> these, are, these, are, these are truth, friends. I know Pastor Jenny was talking a lot about um, persecution lately. And it's like, cool, Jenny, maybe write a book on it and sell five copies. <laughs> but it's the truth. It's persecution. And, and part of persecution is that we're misjudged. David, I want you to think about in that whole section of scripture that we just read, to misjudge means to form a wrong opinion or conclusion about, make an incorrect estimation or assessment of. How many times that was, that was done by his own father? by his own father, by the, one of the people that was the closest to him, misjudged the gift of God and the anointing that was on his life. Let me tell you, as we move forward into what God has called us to do, we will be misjudged. We will be misjudged. People will assign motives. There will be misunderstandings, number two. Write it down. You'll be misjudged and you will be misunderstood. His brother said, I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. Misjudged. He was, and he was misunderstood. Let me just tell you this. As we're going forward in this time and we're doing what God's asked us to do and we're standing for righteousness, we will be misunderstood. 
you know, che, che An was talking yesterday about the, the Holy Spirit had this incredible thing happen to them where they felt led to keep their church open. Um, during the pandemic, they felt like it, it was essential as uh, strip clubs and liquor stores were being considered as essential. Um, they, they thought, you know what, I, th- I think we're, we're essential with what's happening in our world right now. We're, we're essential as well. So they kept their doors open. And again, what did that do? That triggered a demonic response. And you know, it's demonic when it's just like over the top. It's just like the enemy overplays his hand always and forever, by the way. And, and so what happens is eventually there's a court order comes down saying, we're going to arrest you, Pastor Che, put you in jail for a year. And we're going to fine you $1,000 retroactively since you've been meeting for every person that's attended. Now he's got how many thousand people in his church? So this is like millions of dollars. And he felt the Holy Spirit say, through, through somebody else spoke and said, sue, sue Gavin Newsom. So he ended up suing the government. It went all the way to the Supreme Court and he won. And he won a huge victory. But I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear this. During that time, he was misunderstood. During that time, he was mocked. Okay, we, we look at him and we say, yes, that's who I want to be in my day. I want to be like a David. I want to be like a Cheon. I want to be like a, like, you know, somebody who's just like doing the call of God and the will of God for their life. And it looks sexy and it looks awesome. Because remember what happened after afterwards? The, the, the women were dancing in the street. And they say, Saul has slayed his thousands, but David's his tens of thousands. And, that, and, and then that started a crap storm. That's when, that's when really when jealousy got in and it actually says that's when the demonic tormenting spirit got inside of Saul. That was an open invitation for a demonic spirit to get inside of Saul. Okay. But so, so when we look at this, we're like this, I want to be David. Yes. David and Goliath, the man after God's own heart. We love David. David's so awesome. But I'm telling you, David was mocked. He was misunderstood and, and he was misjudged. Three things. You will be mocked. You will be misunderstood. Your motives will be questioned. You'll be told why and what you're doing. You'll be told why it's why it's not good, why it's evil, why it's not right. And and will be um, and what we do will be mis- misjudged. And so I, lo- I look at this and everywhere along the path. It's like, his dad was like, nah, he's not the one. Saul's like, nah, he's just a boy. I'm, I'm going to give him my, I'm going to give him my stuff. So at least we can contain the body inside of the armor. It'll be easier cleanup. And, uh, <laughs> that's my theory. And then Saul, uh, excuse me, Goliath was like, well, yo, why are you sending me a boy? Why are you sending me a boy? So, so Cheon was telling us yesterday that he had people, staff, to like leave his church because they said this is not the fight that we want to be in. We, we don't, we don't agree with this. We don't, we don't agree with what's happening and what you're doing. And I mean, we look at him and we're like, this is a hero of the faith. This guy is like literally at the Supreme Court level fighting so that us in Tigard give 
gives precedence for us meeting moving forward. He was, he was on the morning shows, mocked on the morning shows. He told us the questions that they led with. It was like, it was like welcome, Cheon. So why do you want to kill grandmothers? You know, he, I mean, like they just, and then they took his answers and guess, you'll never guess what they did. They didn't air them. They didn't air his answers. They only, you know, edited it to make him probably look like an absolute buffoon. He was shunned. In, I mean, like we're talking, he was mocked. He was misunderstood. He was misjudged. My dad in the early 90s was mocked. I remember publicly we went to a large gathering and there a guy got up there and he said, let's just pretend that I was a pastor in Juneau, Alaska and went on to absolutely roast my dad. I remember I was a kid and I just got up and left and I was like, I'll be outside. I just, I don't, I don't want to hear this. Mocked. Mis, misjudged. Remember what misjudged means? Remember what it means? It means form a wrong opinion or conclusion about. What, David, why are you here? You're not here for any legitimate reason. You just, you just want to see the battle. Misjudged him. I know about your pride, your deceit. These few sheep, just go watch your few little sheep. They misjudged what God was doing in his life working up to that moment. I don't know if they knew what was happening with the lion and the bears, but they misjudged him. They misunderstood him. They misunderstood the call of God that was on his life. His own father misunderstood the call of God that was on his life. But God saw it. Can I just reaffirm you that I'm, as I'm giving you three negative things right now? God sees it. God sees the call of God in your life. God has anointed you. God has appointed you. God has supernaturally graced you in this next season. But I just want you to, like, Jesus said, when people reject you, you're, they're not actually rejecting you, they're rejecting me. It's, it's the spirit of the Antichrist, by the way, that's been at work since the beginning. An Antichrist spirit that was so afraid of Christ that it tried to kill, all, it killed all of the newborns. When, when, when he heard that Jesus had been born and they did the math, two years, every child two years and under was killed. What was that? That was the spirit of the Antichrist. All anti-Semitism has been what? To kill the, to kill the seed, the seed of Christ, the seed of David. It, it, it all stems from an Antichrist spirit and the Antichrist spirit is still alive and well today. It hates Jesus. It hates Jesus, even the name Jesus. You wanna rile up some demons, say Jesus. And then pray in the spirit under your breath. But that's only if you have time to deal with it. Because it, it riles them up. So you're anointed, you're called, you're appointed for this next season. But you will be mocked, you will be misunderstood, and you will be misjudged. But take great comfort. Take great comfort in the fact that Jesus was mocked. Jesus was misunderstood. Jesus was misjudged, yet he fulfilled his assignment. And Jesus said something really powerful in the Gospels. He said that truth, he said, because um, they were saying, they were saying like, why, why don't your disciples fast? They were saying, why, Jesus, why do you hang out with sinners? And they called him a glutton and a drunkard. 
And he said, Jesus said something. He said, wisdom is shown to be right by her children. In essence, you will see that the fruit of what I'm doing here, it will be evident to you in the future. And you'll look back and you'll say, that was wisdom, even though I didn't understand it at the time. Does that make sense? Do you feel encouraged this morning? Can I, let me just tell you, when you get mocked, some people go, I'm being mocked. I think I need to pull back. I, I don't know if this is God's plan or God's will because I'm being mocked. Don't, don't, don't equate mocking, misjudging, or misunderstanding for being out of the will of God. Someone was telling me the other day that they were asking God to do this um, to do something great with their life and they were just they were giving God parameters you know like we all do okay God let's sit down I want to talk uh, if I say yes to this I'd like it to be easy I'd like it to not hurt I'd like everyone to cheer me on okay God I just want to be famous and uh, I just I, and listen I want everyone to understand why I'm doing it and he said he was he was giving God these parameters. He said, once he said, God, I'm in no matter what, then he saw God start to move. God, I'm in no matter what, no matter how hard it gets. You know, I look at Rachel, and Rachel's taking a risk. I look at Heather and I, we're taking a risk. I look at JD and Sean, I look at all these people that, that are like taking risks and doing big things. And, and you know what we're doing? We're, we're setting ourselves up like, Rachel, my God, who says the things that you say? Why? Because God's called you to and he's asked you to do it and you're moving forward. And so you, you're, you're going to be mocked and have been. People roast her on social media, by the way. Her old friends, people in the old lifestyle, old acquaintances, she gets roasted on social media. But if, if that's our litmus test for whether we should start or stop or keep going, we, we, we have to die to that, friends. We have to die. People are going, okay, I, I misunderstand. I don't think it's appropriate what Rachel says sometimes. Was he, you're, you're misunderstanding. There's, there's a lack of understanding. You're not understanding what God's asked her to do. God's actually asked her to go where people haven't gone before. God's asked her to talk about what he was not ashamed to create. God's asked her to break some barriers and some walls down. It should be mocked, it should be misunderstood, and it should be misjudged. And that's okay. I would actually venture to say that's kind of a litmus test to know you're in the will of God. Jenny, have you ever been mocked? <laughs> I mean, we have we have we have somebody who has taken such a step in a national level, and the emails that she gets, and the misunderstandings, and oh, she's just doing that to do this, and oh, you know, thank you for moving forward. Thank you. It's, yeah, she said it's worth it. It's worth it. So I just, I want like our, I see like our spiritual backbone just like stiffening right now and strengthening right now and go, instead of going, reacting and going, well, why would they say I'm on the right track? If the Holy Spirit has asked, now I'm not saying that we go out and just 
start yelling things and saying things and go, good, I got mocked today. I'm in the will of God. No, you were being weird. That's weird. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying when you're following what the Holy Spirit has asked you to do. When you Guess what? When you got your staff, your pouch, how God's wired you and what he's asked you to do. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray spiritual, we're going to pray, pray spiritual strength over you. In Jesus' name. But here's, here, you know, we're going to be mocked. We're going to be made fun of. We're going to be misjudged. We're going to be misunderstood. But here's, this is the most beautiful thing. If our God is for us, then who can be against us? If my God is for me, then who can be against me? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by the spirit of the living God. Amen. So, Lord, I just thank you for your people this morning. I thank you, God, that even, God, that you would release release your people from every fear of man right now in Jesus' name. Every opinion of man, every fear of man, every last little bit that's trying to hang on. We, we ask right now in the name of Jesus that it would be released. Father, I ask for Holy Spirit boldness. God, I ask where there's been a spirit of fear and intimidation. It has to break right now in Jesus' name where you've been misunderstood and so it's made you shrink back to, so that everyone around you has to understand everything. They don't and they won't. If they hated Jesus, they'll hate you. He was the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God and they hated him. The, the Antichrist spirit, the spirit, the demonic spirit rose up inside of people and it absolutely hated Jesus and it wanted to kill him. Do you think that you are exempt from the spirit? No. It, wants, it, it hates what you're doing. By the way, if you're seeing resistance right now, I know Heather and I, we, we were like, we say yes. And it's like all of a sudden all hell broke loose and was like, oh, yeah, really? If, you're, if there's a headwind right now, if you feel under attack, I'm just telling you, you're probably going in a really great direction. You're probably going in a really great direction. You're probably going in a really great direction. And you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are going to have to have a staff meeting. You're going to have to get together and you're going to have to press in and dig in and say, God, what do you think about me? God, what do you say about me? God, what is my assignment? Confirm my assignment, Father, in the name of Jesus. And when he does, you move forward and you love people. Listen, we love people, though they misunderstand us. We... We love people even though we bless them, we pray for them, we do good for them, even though they misjudge us, even though they mock us. We will not be swayed in Jesus' name. We will see revival. We will see reformation in the Portland Metroplex in the mighty name of Jesus. And it's not going to just take five or six couples with a backbone. It's going to take collectively with a Holy Ghost blood-bought backbone that says we will move forward and we will do what God's asked us to do. God has given me a pouch. He's given me, he's given me five smooth stones. He's given me a slingshot. He's given me a staff. He's given me something specific to me. He's giving some, something specific to you for this season. Folks, you're in the game. You're not on the sidelines. You're in the game. 
You're in the game, in your home, in your workplace, wherever you go, we're in the game. So Lord, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, again, a stiffening of the backbone, our spiritual backbone. And we thank you that we're going to take ground. We're going to take land. We're going to slay giants. We're going to do things. Right now, friends, there's dreams inside of you. I I know because I've heard some of them. There's dreams inside of you that seem huge, that seem like if you were to tell somebody that they would mock or make fun of you, tell the right people, number one. Tell the right people. Tell people that are going to agree with you and believe with you, people of faith. And number two, they will come to pass. If the Lord has placed them in your heart, they will come to pass. So, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we thank you that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. I thank you for that spirit of David to be upon your people, that spirit of David that says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's spouting off against the the God of heaven's armies, the Lord God Almighty, who is he? No one is greater than you, God. No one is greater than you. No one's higher. No one's stronger. And we believe that today and we receive that today. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.